everyone. Oh my goodness, we're here. My name's Dan. And my name's Kay. And this is the Bakery Bears radio show. Can you believe I keep getting confused what episode we're on? Um. See, you don't know either. I don't know. <laughs> is it five or six? Hey. Well, well, you're in for a shock. Yeah. It's episode seven. Oh, really? I know. Gosh. Can you believe it? No, I can't. I think it must be because we did those four all together yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, it's what yeah. makes it sort yeah. of uh, difficult to keep track. But, folks, we're back, and we're back in our favourite walking route. Yay. Or should I say, on our favourite walking route. Thank you all so much for your lovely comments and thoughts on the last episode. There's been loads of chat about books in the Bakery Bears radio show crew Facebook group. But also, I've seen lots of lovely comments on on iTunes and all over the place. So it's just great that you enjoyed the episode so much. I wish we had enjoyed it as much as you did. Oh, I know. It was a bit traumatic. <laughs> it was just not as not the sort of peaceful walk we expected. But, you know, no. it was fun and it made us laugh. So, folks, today is a super exciting episode, and I'll tell you why. Because in episode five of the Baker Bears Radio Show, we discussed who built the pyramids. And whilst... Kay's thoughts on the pyramids and the Sphinx is both really quite specific. My thoughts are very much that the Egyptians built the pyramids, but I wasn't so sure about the Sphinx. But there's so much more to delve into on this subject, because your views on this really are quite interesting, aren't they, Kay? I don't... I wouldn't say that they're interesting. I just would maybe say they're different to yours. I think, you know, if you look at the world with a clear sort of open view, as you gaze across the world and you consider all the amazing things that are out there, you do start to wonder how were we able to do some of the things that we were able to do thousands of years ago Mm. that today seem just completely impossible. So today we're going to delve into some of those amazing sites from the wonderful... Gobekli Tepe. Excellent, excellent. I just sort of mailed the G there to Kay and she picked (laughs) up and ran with it. (laughs) To Petra. Petra in Jordan. So yeah, we're going to delve into today lost civilizations, civilizations that perhaps knew more than we know today. But to do that, we need to get out on our walk. So that's exactly what we're going to do now. I'm going to grab my keys and my lovely brand new Brand new Lego um, keyring thing. Yes, I thought you, you weren't sure certain who the character was. No, Good. I knew it was. No, I couldn't remember what to call it. Yes, I have uh, got rid of my Poe Dameron. Yeah, Poe Dameron's gone. It was, it was looking a bit grubby. I've replaced him with the Alden Ehrenreich Han Solo. Yes. The only Han Solo for me now. Oh, and gosh. I never would have thought I would say that. No, that's true, actually. But no, you're right. He was right. just too good. He was, he was too good. So, yeah. folks, we're going to get walking and we'll see yep. you in a minute. Well, I have to say that we're now starting to get into the sort of weather which is conducive to walking. I know. Conducive to talking. Yeah. Conducive to wearing lovely hats. I've got a hat on. My goodness. I'm so excited to be wearing a hand-knitted hat. What's cool about this is it's sort of like we have... I think when you do things like this, you sort of remember the recording days. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true, yeah. You know, episodes one to four, 
Whoops. was decidedly as I nearly got run nearly over. Nearly got there. run over. It's because we have to step off the pavement at this Why point is that? because there's a bush that's so grown so big covers the entire pavement. It needs cutting back. It really does. And when I come out running on a morning. Do you run into it? No, no, no. You, well, you've got to come onto the road and run around it. Yeah, I know. It's not very good. No, when you've got music as well pumping in your ears, yeah. you've got to be really careful. And what is that? That is a weed. My goodness. But believe it or not, it's a weed. It's some kind of tree, but it's actually a weed. It's terrible. It's ginormous. Yeah. And that's been shocking it's as well. It's a lavatera, that. Lavatera. And there's a bamboo next to it. It's escaped from the garden behind the fence. Right. It's like gone underneath and then grown. So we are venturing out on what is a beautifully clear... Gosh, there is not a single cloud. No. And when you consider yesterday... We've had some terrible weather. This last week, really, we've had an awful lot of rain. How grey was it? It's always welcome. It's chalk and cheese compared to yesterday. It is. It is. And we both said this morning, because I was out for a run at seven and then Kay was out for a walk not long after that that there's a noticeable feeling of chill oh definitely i think it was three degrees when you went cent celsius that is was it it was three degrees crossing under the bridge over the road and into the woods i'm hoping it's not going to be too muddy i've just got my normal walking shoes on which are just kind of trainery things she says as we walk through some mud but i've got two pairs of walking shoes and I just don't like them you know proper walking shoes because I can't wear walking boots you always can't wonder how did that get there it's just a lump of concrete isn't it it's a concrete railway sleeper yes. I think isn't that, it I mean that's the amazing thing that would weigh a lot a lot there's two rusted well if you think about how you would move that how on earth would you move those blocks to make the pyramid and don't start me on that no no, no. <laughs> but why do you think i pointed that out oh right okay. oh yes i love this wood so much it's just perfect yeah no matter whatever the weather it keeps you dry when it's wet and it's usually okay underfoot actually it's not too muddy because of the leaf cover it's really good underfoot actually we're going that way yes yeah, we're going up by the train track so you might hear the trains again and i always see a train when i come through here in the morning it's always sat oh it's sat and it says yeah because they're waiting for the the platform oh, to clear right yeah and sometimes when i come running up here the train that's left the platform comes through right and then it sets off in i always see the same people sat in the same seats oh gosh isn't, it isn't funny? that interesting yeah we're here to talk about is it megaliths okay is that megaliths then what's a megalith it's basically a a gigantic structure we touched obviously on the pyramids yeah. which are megaliths yeah we touched on the sphinx would that be considered a megalith yes i would have thought so yeah and we discussed to a certain amount of detail our thoughts on who built those but when you actually start to glance across the world other rather amazing places start to sort of show up and perhaps the most amazing of all of those although i don't know do feel free to disagree yeah is petra oh gosh it's amazing and it's funny because a lot of people will think that they know petra from the indiana jones film it's the last crusade right yes part of petra is in that film it's the treasury isn't it's it? the treasury which yeah. is the most famous portion of it i would guess and the thing is though 
we watched, it was a great video, but also terrible because the music was just oh, awful. The music was awful. Yeah. But when we were researching this show, we wanted to sort of dig into Petra a little bit more. And I'll actually, I'll link in the show notes some of the, the, the sources that we found because this particular video, what was wonderful about it was the picture was perfect and it, it showed was, you yeah, it was, all of it. It did. And it's absolutely enormous. It just goes on and on and on. Neil, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, this was a city that was built supposedly by Arab caravan traders. It's situated in Jordan. But when you look at it, the architecture, I said to you when we're looking at the video, you could pick that up, drop it in, Renaissance France. Yeah. And it would look like a train. train. It's going to Saltburn, it's Aww. going to the beach. We always see that one, don't we? Petra, supposedly built by these Arab caravan traders, but yeah. the architecture looks stunning, doesn't it? It's a, it's um it, it is literally unbelievable when you look at it because a lot of it is is kind of carved out of the the rocks. The, the rock, you know, the mount, I suppose they're not really, it's not a mountain as such, but literally like sheer rock face. And it's carved into, you know, gigantic, gigantic sort of buildings are carved into the rock. You've really got to see it to believe it. Now, they struggle to date when Petra was built. Right. But the establishment, acknowledges that it could be as early as 5000 BC. When you sort of stop to try and get your head around that, if you guys go away and you look at what these <laughs> these buildings look like, yeah. it blows the mind. It does to blow consider the mind. that nomadic Arab caravan traders well. were building well, I mean, th this is the type... I wouldn't like to think how you'd go about it today. Well, no, and that's the thing. I don't, I don't know that even today with every, you know, the technology that we've got today, I'm not even sure how you would go about making these things. Because there's one room in particular there that I told Dan about. You go into this sort of gigantic doorway that's, again, carved out of the rock. And it's this amazingly square room you go into it and it's I, th I think the stone is granite I'm not right. I think it's granite right. it's one of the incredibly hard stones anyway and it's massive it's like walking in you know you can you see on the film people inside it and it's like a it's just cavernous yet it's completely square and if you look on the walls, the video that I watched, the person showed you the walls, you can see these perfectly spaced apart striations as if it's some kind of machine that's cut, cut the wall, you know, cut the stone. It absolutely categorically does not look like someone has got a chisel and no. chipped. It can't possibly have been done with hand tools. Well, and, and There's the, just no way. The evidence that proves that without question is the fact that these striations are on there yes yeah. and that you know it's, it's perfectly square and you know the angles and everything are, are, are just perfect and it's quite highly polished yeah. as well yeah i w w was aware of the treasury because of indiana jones but yeah. i was not aware of the theater 
which seated 8,500. It's amazing, it's like it's a massive amphitheatre. Yeah, I used to work in theatres and to me it looks like the floor plan of hundreds of theatres that I've worked in over the years. But just stop and consider again that this was built 5,000 BC, potentially. Well, awesome. or was it? Also though, there's like a palace. Yeah. And the palace is vast. It's massive. And you know, it's right up there with, if you've seen, it's very similar, just watch that branch. There's a branch hanging yeah. down. What's that? Um, it's got little berries on it. It's... Now, folks. I didn't bring my tree, tree book. No, that's because you're doing that next episode. I'm doing that next time. When you come back next time, we'll tell you all about the next episode uh, at the end of today's show, but you don't want to miss it because we're going to be identifying some trees for yeah, you. Oh, how exciting. <laughs> this temple looks right up there with the temple of Hatshepsut. It's similar yeah, in size. It's enormous. Yeah. yeah. If Petra was built 5000 BC, that is 2000 years before the temple of Hatshepsut yeah, was built. Yeah. No, more than that even, 3,000 years. Yeah. Amazing. It doesn't really end with Petra. Petra, you know, is probably the first step as you sort of look across the world. And there's loads of other sites, loads of other places we could talk about. But the next one, because I think the next one is probably the one which has surprised you the most recently, and yeah. you've only found out about it recently, and that's yeah. Gobekli Tepe. Gobekli Tepe, which is in right. Turkey. It's just this enormous site that was found only relatively recently, you know, within the last sort of 20, 30 years. And it's basically, if you look at it, you stood on like a limestone plateau and then there's a, a huge, what looks like a hill in front of you. And you might think that it wasn't, you know, that it was just a hill, just a natural feature, but it's not, it's man-made. And the farmers that farmed the land all around for years had just been finding like random things. You know, little statues and carvings and all these sorts of things. So people started digging and found what they're now still digging. You know, they've been digging it, I believe, for about 20 years. It's just this massive, I don't even want to say prehistoric, because I personally think it goes back a lot further than, than Stonehenge, certainly. They already know yeah. that it goes back before Stonehenge. I, yeah. I think it was two or 3,000 years they're, they're pretty certain prior to it's lots of t-shaped yeah. massive stones imagine stonehenge but much bigger and the stones all look they're all like dan said they're a t-shape so you've got these huge megalithic stones and then another stone on top that makes it look like a t and it's just covered and they're, they're kind of a lot of them are in circles some of them aren't some of them are sort of by themselves so that's the kind of place it is and do you know about the carvings on the stones um a little bit but you well, you say some of the stones aren't carved but some of them are carved and the carvings are animals it's wolves and deers and and uh, birds flying it is but they're very odd they're sort of like amorphous they're very just unusual i think what you need to consider there though is this is possibly you know, certainly on the evidence that we've, well, not we've found, that humanity has found, this is thousands and thousands of years before yeah. the invention of writing. Yes. And, you know, you're probably looking at some of the earliest carvings yeah. in existence. Yeah. 
So, you know, this is... I mean, some of them look like gigantic kind of totem poles, don't they? The stones themselves? Stone, yeah, yeah, stone kind of totem poles with all the carvings all around them. Yeah. The question that you ask yourself is, what was it? I, I mean, I don't know personally, but the research that I've done seems to point to it being some kind of structure that's connected with tracking the stars and the, the sky and the planets. Because what they've also discovered there is that there are several, several layers. So that what would happen is it looks like they used a particular structure for about a thousand years, they then covered it over and built another one on top. And that's happened several times. And what people have theorized is the reason they're doing that is because after a certain amount of time, the, the, the placement of the sky and the astral bodies and things has moved, has shifted. So nothing lines up anymore with the, the structures. So they've covered it over, they've built another one that does then line up and they've used that for X hundreds of years. So that's my understanding of what the sort of theories as to the purpose of it. Yeah, I read um, a, a quite a long article and it was interviewing the guy, the number one archaeologist who's been digging it yeah. since, you know, he's, he's been there 10 years digging it. And he thinks that, because they keep finding more and more things lower and lower down, don't they? Yeah. The further down they yeah. get. And he thinks that when they eventually get to the bottom, they're going to find a load of burials. Right. And he thinks that this part of the world, 10, 12,000 years ago, was massively rich and fertile. And that, you know, people would gather there to potentially hunt and, you know, maybe people lived somewhere nearby. Um, and he thinks that there were burials there. So he thinks people were buried there. And then, you know, possibly picking up on what you said, those burials were then linked to the stars. Mm -hmm. And then exactly like you said, as time progressed, things changed. So they had to reposition. So yeah. they cover yeah. over and rebuild. So exactly like what you said. But they've not got to the bottom yet. No, they've so not they got don't to the know. Bottom. You know, he's just and theorizing. And who knows when they might get to the bottom? Because it's taken them twenty years, I think, to get this far. Good, Blackley Tepe. Yeah. Did I say it right? Yes. Good. Uh, it took me a few goes, but I've got there in the end. Is, I mean, it is a fascinating place. It is fascinating. The one thing that links really everything we've spoken about is stone carving. Yes. Isn't it? It is. It's stone carving to an unbelievably high level. Not just carving, it's stone work and yeah. construction with stone. Yeah. That really is the, the, the sort of tangible evidence staring at us in the face, which yeah. is saying, this needs further investigation. And do you think? Well, the, I think the problem is you can investigate it as much as you want. I don't think we will ever know, truly, who who built that? Who built all this? How they built it? I just don't. You don't know, do you? Because you don't know what we might discover. Maybe one day we might discover something that shows us how these places were made and how they cut the stone, how they moved the stone, how it was quarried, how they constructed these things. I, you know. I, the root sort of conversation point from all of this is lost knowledge of how they dealt with these huge pieces of stone 
in a way which we just can't comprehend no, today. No, And I think that that's the key point because I think that that lost knowledge, because we don't understand how they did it, makes people say, we can't have done it. And I mean, the human race can't have done it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do know what you mean, but I, I don't think it was aliens, if that's what you're implying. No, I wasn't implying that you thought that. No, I don't, I don't think that. But I'm sure... But I know some people do think that. Yes. What we sort of need to try and get to the bottom of, if we can, is where this sort of advanced knowledge, first of all, came from, but also when it was lost. I don't personally have a theory, but a lot of you people have... You have a theory if you've seen someone say something that you believe. Yeah, and I've seen several people say this. Right. This sort of civilization of people and the knowledge that they had was mostly lost when there was a huge cataclysm on the earth about 12, 13,000 years ago. And again, we don't quite know what that was. It could have been a huge asteroid of some sort. It could have been a huge flare from the sun. You see though, I think when you're considering a cataclysm that people back then would have described as a cataclysm, yeah. I think also you can throw a lot more things into that, like a volcanic eruption. It could have been that, Like yeah, a absolutely. massive tsunami. Yeah, it could have yeah. been that because the effects of a huge volcanic eruption are, are you know, are several Fold, really you know there's all kinds of things happen like tsunamis like clouds of Pyro dust is it pyro well there's a pyroclastic cloud isn't there but i think that's the thing that comes billowing down from the volcano yes i think if you remember Pretty that one in Iceland, yeah. do you remember the one in iceland yeah. a few years ago where the planes couldn't fly through it planes couldn't fly through it because the sky was full of volcanic dust And it's a similar thing to that. So, you know, the sun would have been blocked out and, you know, you just wouldn't have been able to, to see. And then obviously what happens is the volcanic dust then drops to the ground and causes all kinds of issues as well. Yeah, so something happened. Something happened and it basically wiped out a lot of these, a lot of the civilization, and also it wiped out a lot of the megafauna that disappeared as well from the earth. What a megafauna? Megafauna is, um, you know, huge animals that we just don't have anymore. Not dinosaurs, but, you know, things like mammoths. Oh, and, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. The, the, the animals historically were much bigger. For example, Let's refer back to the Ayla books, because why not? Back in sort of those times, which was about 35,000 years ago, I think, they had these huge cave lions, which are like lions that we have now, but they were gigantic. Right. So it's that kind of thing. It's these really huge, huge animals that existed back then. In summary, something huge happened. Yeah, yeah. That knocked back humanity. Yes, absolutely. And essentially sent us back sent to, us back into the caves basically sent us back into the caves and so it was like restarting again yeah and it took a long time for that to happen right and you know theory goes that the reason that because this thing came from the, the sky 
whatever it was, whether it was a solar flare or something volcanic or a meteor, it came from the sky. And that the reason we see lots of these structures that seem to be sort of tracking the sky, if you like, and focused on the sky, is because maybe they were trying to be more aware of it happening again and were trying to maybe predict when it might happen again so they could be more prepared for it. If this cataclysmic event knocked us back to the Dark Ages, yeah. we wouldn't be able to build structures to look out for a new one, would we? Well, I don't know that that's the case because I think knowledge goes up and down in waves. That's the way that I sort of see it. Yeah. And we rise and fall with our knowledge of things. Yeah. And, it, you know, it took thousands of years to start rising back up again. And there would have been remnants of right. the previous... Um, civilization structures which we can still see today and you know they've come across those they've seen them and they've tried to then replicate them sometimes to a good standard sometimes not so you're now referring to the pyramids no oh, right. because I don't necessarily believe now that the Egyptians did build the pyramids you can't say the Egyptians didn't build the pyramids because that says that you don't believe the Egyptians built any of the pyramids. No, I don't think they didn't build any... Sorry, the, I mean the three yeah. large pyramids that are on the Giza Plateau. Yeah. That's the ones I'm referring to. Right. I don't believe that the Egyptians built those. Well, you sort of didn't before. I sort of didn't before. No, so... so and I I've think... been doing lots of reading and watching and thinking since then. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sort of convinced in my own mind now that the Egyptians didn't build those three pyramids. I think they tried to replicate the pyramids and there's several other pyramids that aren't as successful as the three great pyramids, sort of dotted around all over the place, but none look like those. The question as well, which will be on an awful lot of people's sort of minds is, there are pyramids all over the world. There are. You know, there's pyramids in South America. Yeah, there's pyramids in China. There's and pyramids in Indonesia. You, you have to start to wonder that, you know, the world was a much smaller place back then. There was a much smaller population. Sorry, there's nettles at And you would have thought that height. knowledge would spread more easily so you know has there been a, a, a sort of font source of knowledge about these pyramid structures that has then spread across the world yeah and I, i'm guessing there or, must or, be or if there isn't why is it that everyone decided to build pyramids well the problem is we don't know what their purpose was you know people the kind of egyptologists and the traditional historian type people believe that the three pyramids were built as tombs. I don't believe that. It just doesn't make any sense to me. It just doesn't wash at all. I think what happened is the, the Egyptians found them, you know, oh, big plant, and repurposed them. And I think they've done that with lots of these places within Egypt, that people now just presume and are told that the Egyptians actually you know, built them themselves. I just don't 
personally don't believe that. With a certain amount of regret, I, I disagree completely with regards <laughs> to uh, the, the pyramids. And you can listen in, in great detail. You on, can hear my surprise. But, you know, you can also listen in great detail our, our full thoughts on the pyramids in episode five. But, you know, as we sort of look across the world, there's no doubt that there is some sort of advanced knowledge going on, knowledge that we just can't comprehend no, now. Absolutely. We have to start then considering, because you know, Kay there has spoken about a cataclysmic event which has knocked back civilization. And what I think you have to do, what any good detective has to do, what Poirot would do, <laughs> is look for evidence. And, you know, as you look, I mean, first of all, I think to a lot of people, considering, you know, a cataclysmic event, you know, knocking back civilization and advanced knowledge it all sounds it starts to sound a little bit like a science fiction movie i suppose it does but actually in very recent history there have been moments in time which we still remember today that knocked us back and the most recent probably well there's going to be loads more actually other than this but the, the first one that jumps out to me is Friday the 13th. We all remember Friday the 13th, and many people probably don't realize why we remember Friday the 13th. There was an organization that was set up around the time um, of the Crusades, and they were called the Knights Templar. Yeah. And the Knights Templar became, they were like a bank, the world's first bank. You yeah, could pay money yeah. in, in one country and take it out in another country. Um, and, you know, they were police, they were protecting the pilgrimage routes. Uh, they were doing, they thought, God's work. And on Friday the 13th, in a particular year that I now can't remember precisely, they were completely wiped out. Oh. And they were wiped out by the King of France because he asked them for a loan and they said no. Oh gosh. And had he not wiped out... Glad that didn't happen to me in the bank. Yeah. Had he not wiped out the Knights Templar, the Industrial Revolution would possibly have happened 200 years earlier than it did. Right. Because the Knights Templar were, you know, starting to really sort of get to the bottom of some of the things which it then took us another 200 years to, to really nail. Yeah. It wasn't really into the 19th century, you know, that we, we started to really hit that, that sort of Industrial Revolution high. That's just one little example. And that is close enough. And the history books were sort of, they were well written enough for us to know exactly what was going on there. As we look further back in time, things become a little bit more misty. But this, for me, this is where the story of Atlantis starts to take some meaning, yeah. I think. Because, you know, first of all, the question is, what was the story of Atlantis? Well, it was written by Plato in 360 BC, and he wrote of a continent beyond the pillars of uh, Hercules, which is the, the Gibraltar Straits. This continent was in existence about 9,000 years before Hercules was writing. Gosh, Which right. starts to get into the realms of your yeah, yeah. cataclysmic event 12,000 12, BC. Yes. So he wrote of this advanced civilization that um, had huge links with Poseidon. They had a really big and successful coinage. Uh, they had advanced metalworking technologies. They were using an awful lot of... Uh, I think it's called a rick, a ricklum or something or other. Oh, I can't remember what this metal was called, but it's an ancient metal that right. um, has been linked 
to you know the, the sort of advanced iron working oh. which didn't then happen for thousands of years later yeah. they were highly successful uh, they had a really really cool democracy that worked really well but they got greedy and they started to be mean and Poseidon decided to sink them to the bottom of the sea and for generations people have been considering was Atlantis real? Yeah. And really, you know, for hundreds and hundreds of years, archaeologists have been looking for it, mostly with not much success. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the question you have to ask yourself is why are they looking for it? Well, I'll tell you why they're looking for it. And that's because what Plato used to do, Plato was a Greek philosopher. And what he used to do was he used to take stories that people believed and wrap up a message which he, which he wanted to get across and then, you know, write that story and then, you know, everyone would then read it and then because there was elements to it which were factual, his message, which he wanted to get across, which was don't be greedy, you know, mm. be good and, you know, then everything will be lovely, um, his message would, you know, be taken in by people more. Right. And you then have to go, right, okay, well, if he was taking elements of reality, where were those elements of reality coming from? Well... I really, I believe quite strongly that they were coming from two different places. The first one was a place called Haliki, which is just up the road from where Plato lived. 13 years before, one Christmas, except it wasn't Christmas back no, then. No, it wasn't Christmas. <laughs> one December, I think they even know the date. I think it was something like the 14th of December. In 373 BC, Suddenly, all the animals in Haliki, this highly su successful Greek city, hmm. all started to run for the hills. Right. Sadly, the Greeks weren't clever enough to realise... Why they were doing it. <laughs> that, that, ...that possibly meant trouble was afoot. And that night, there was a, a, a cataclysmic event. I mean, right. basically, there was... I don't think it was an eruption. I think there might have been some issue... Tectonic plates oh, and right. and basically earthquake. The, yeah, the the city did just. I think they call it liquefaction. Yes. Yeah. I've watched something recently that used that word. Yeah. The city sank. sank. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And in the space of a night, it just disappeared. Yeah. And it became. They call these things something specific. It's where people go tourism hunting yeah. in places which are potentially a little bit morbid. Right. And it became this massive tourist destination. First of all for the Greeks. Yeah. So it's written about loads. So we know that, well, first of all we know from the history books it, it existed, but then in the 80s they found it. Right. And they started digging Haliki. And What's so fascinating about this particular city is they found five cities all Gosh. on the same site. So the most recent was a Byzantine city. Mm -hmm. Then beneath that, there was a Roman city. Yeah. Then there's the Greek city of Haliki. And then before that, there's two cities that are sort of Bronze Age, Stone Age. Right. And they're slowly but surely, they're going through all of this and they're sifting out. But they keep finding the, these really sort of cool coins so that sort of successful coinage with, you know, your sort of typical Greek dolphins and tridents yeah, and all yeah. these things on the coins, that starts to play into the whole Atlantis story that Plato then wrote 13 years later. Oh. But Haliki, you could sort of argue, really, it was just a city. They were pretty successful. They weren't necessarily an advanced race. Mm. But if you look back a little bit further, if you look back to around 4000 BC, I think you find our advanced race, which potentially, because they had links 
that there, in every Egyptian history book I've ever read, the Minoans are mentioned. Yeah. And the Minoans were superb sailors. They taught the Egyptians how to sail. They taught the Egyptians about currency right. and money. They taught the Egyptians loads and loads of things. Now, I've not found anything that says they taught them about uh, building mm. and stone cutting. Mm. But if you go to a place called Santorini and you look under the sea, mm. which you can do, there's been programs about it that we've yeah, seen. Yeah, we have. These cities look amazing. Yeah. But if you look at Santorini from the air, you can clearly see, can't you? Yeah. It's, it was a volcano, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Now, what happened at Santorini? Well, as Kay's just said, it was a volcano. That volcano erupted and it wiped out the Minoans that were on Santorini. Yeah. But then the Minoans were also on Crete and that was 67 miles away. But the volcano created the hugest tsunami you've ever seen. And that then hit Crete and it totally wiped out the Minoans. Right. And they, in, in a moment, they just disappear from yeah. the history books. Yeah. And they sounded like the most amazing people. They wore brightly coloured kilts and they had these wonderful um, palaces. Uh, I read about this one particular palace that uh, has been found. It's the, the Palace of Knossos. Now, I don't know if you don't pronounce the K. <laughs> <laughs> Knossos. It's K-N-O-S-S-O-S. -S -S. So it could be Knossos. Yes. Right. And when they found this palace and, and they dug it, they found just these wonderful banqueting halls. Gosh. And one of the rooms off the banqueting hall was filled full of wine. Gosh, really? Carafes of wine. It was still there? Yes. So wow. these guys, I mean, it had probably... Dis I mean, it probably evaporated. Yeah. But the stoppers were all in. And, right. And the bottom line, I think, from the article I was reading was, you know, these people knew how to have a party. Yeah. <laughs> but also, you know, they were... Because the very first sort of nation-state, we all now... Live, you see, I, I think people struggle to understand what the world was like mm. prior to the world that we now all live in. Because yeah. we've lived in it for so long. Yeah. Prior to the Egyptians forming Egypt in 3600 BC, there was no such thing as a nation state. Mm. We were just people living on the earth, yep. trying to get by. Yep. When you consider that the Minoans were around two, three, possibly 4,000 years before the Egyptians formed that nation state, living in the way which the Egyptians would then go on and live, mm. And then when you sort of start to think, well, the Egyptians wrote about them, the Egyptians revered the Minoans, the Minoans were clearly highly advanced. Were the Minoans either the advanced race or were they the stepping stone? Yeah. Did they pick up knowledge from someone that they then passed on yeah, yeah. to all these other people? Because the Minoans also had links with Petra. Right. And they, to me, they feel like potentially are number one, uh, what's the candidate. word? Candidate. When, when, yeah, candidate or <laughs> what's where you're accusing someone of murder? <laughs> uh, suspect. Suspect. It's suspect number one. Or were they the stepping stone between... Yeah, because that wouldn't have been early enough, would it? Well, the problem is no one can really nail... When? Exactly when no. the Minoans... Died out. No, no, no. We no. know when they died out. When they... Well, what? How long they existed yes. for before. Yes, yes. Right, so it's perfectly possible. They could have been around yes. for, for quite a while. Yeah. When we've had the, the conversations that we've had, the times when I sort of 
struggle. <laughs> I think I'm talking absolute rubbish. No, it's not that I think you're talking absolute rubbish, but at the times when I struggle, you see, sometimes I think these, these, these people who make these videos, I think they're all extremely well-meaning. I don't think anyone is necessarily, you know, trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. But sometimes I feel like, you know, sort of obvious clues or obvious information is missed off. Because you spoke the other day, didn't you, about the Apis Bulls burial ground. I did. The tunnel underneath Saqqara in Egypt. Saqqara? Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I didn't know what you, it was when you said it like that. Sorry, yeah. Saqqara's right. Saqqara means cherry blossom in Japanese. Oh, right, okay. It's also a taiko piece, which I used to play. <laughs> yeah, um, Saqqara is in Egypt. It's a site in Egypt, and there are tunnels underneath Saqqara. It's called the Serapium. And it's a tunnel system, and within this tunnel system, there are kind of like little, not even little, there are these huge niches, and in the huge niches, I think there's 24 altogether, there's 24 gigantic, I think it's granite or basalt, again, it's one of those really hard rocks, uh, boxes. And a lot of the boxes do have hieroglyphs on, and Egyptologists tell us that they were used as sarcophagi for apis bulls, which they very much revered. And that this whole system of tunnels was basically a, you know, a tomb, a, yeah. yeah, a tomb for the bulls. Yeah. Well, it just doesn't wash with me, I'm afraid. Again, I think it's one of these sites that the Egyptians found, that they renovated, if you like, and adapted for their own purposes. And in doing so, they actually placed the hieroglyphs on the boxes, but they, I don't believe they actually made the boxes because if you look at these boxes, I mean, go, go and look at them. There's tons of um, videos and information about them. They are just, again, these megalithic, you know, they, they weigh up to 100 tonnes, these boxes. They have gigantic lids and they're just perfectly carved. They're highly polished, very square. They've got like um, faceted, the, the lids are faceted, which it, again, it's a puzzle and maybe it's something to do with the, the purpose of them originally. If you then look at the carving, the hieroglyphs that have been sort of chiselled onto them, which you can clearly tell has been done by hand tools, the quality is just nothing compared to the boxes themselves. And also the hieroglyphs are not polished. You know, the whole box surface is highly polished. The hieroglyphs are not. So it's clearly been put on after the box has been made. Now, you see, I have a theory with regards to those Please hieroglyphs. Please tell me. Forget about the hieroglyphs, it's still a fascinating place. Oh, yeah. Who built it? Who built what it? Was it? What for? was it for? Yes. How, did, how did they build it is the most fascinating thing for me because these boxes are only a foot narrower than the passageway that they must have come down. So there's only six inches either side of these boxes, how on earth, and they're gigantic, you know, 100 tonnes, 70, 80, 90, 100 tonnes, how on earth did they move them and put them and then turn them at an angle to get them into the niches? The sort of really amazing building 
the stuff that we'll sort of talk about today from Egypt was all done around the same time. It was all done in the old kingdom. And I think that clearly there was some advanced stone There's some advanced knowledge. technology going that, on. That, that yeah. was either done before, if you believe what Kay's saying, and the Egyptians tried to copy, or if you believe what I think, the Egyptians had been educated, had been taught how to do these things. They learnt how to, you know, do the amazing work, just like the Arabs at Petra and, and you know, all these other sites across the world. Advanced knowledge was known that enabled us to do this. Now, this Apis Bull's mausoleum was built and inside these caskets there were mummified bulls. There were. <laughs> Which in itself I just find utterly fascinating. Yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, it is totally bizarre, but I think what happened was, and this is just my theory, I've got no idea if this is true or not, it was built in the Old Kingdom, and then at some point after that, they went back in, and they potentially did what you're saying. They repurposed it, and oh. that's when they put the carvings on. So what was it for originally? The books would tell you it was for the Apis Bulls, but uh, no, the balls would have gone in when they did the carvings, surely. Well, that could be right. The balls maybe were put in when they did the carvings. So, you know, potentially, what was it used for? What was it used for? But now you're starting to get, you know, let's be crazy. You know, now you're starting to get into the realms of bonkersness. Because <laughs> what was it used for then? I have no idea. You do. You have thoughts. Well, I have thoughts. Yes. But I don't know if it's right. And well, it no. There are theorists that think, and it's kind of, I don't know, in my head it's sort of convincing, that these megalithic structures, you know, the Great Pyramids, and this site at Saqqara, and several other sites as well, there's the Osiris Shaft that's um, on the Giza Plateau as Which we well. spoke about at length yeah. in the Pyramids episode. That they had something to do with the production of energy. Now how that was done, and for what purpose, I have no idea. And I don't even know whether I believe it myself because, well, I just don't. But I, I guess it's just like when something is discovered and, and you don't know what it's for, you just, you know, lots of people try and come up with thoughts on what it's for and theories. Also as well, if you look on those places with modern day eyes, yeah. I, don't take, I don't think it takes a leap of faith to think perhaps that was the case. Because what could that energy have done? Well, I suppose it could have powered things. Potentially, that could have powered their... Tools. <laughs> yeah, you see, and then when you, as soon as you say power tools, Dan starts laughing at me. But I don't mean Black & Decker saws, you know, that's not what Black I mean. Black & Decker's been around for a lot longer than you realise, well, folks. it's not been around for 12,000 years. This is the thing with these stones, right? And there's, you know, other examples. There's statues in the Cairo Museum that are made, there's one in particular that I've seen. It's made out of basalt, I believe, which is the very black stone. It's incredibly hard. Really, the only thing that can cut it is diamond. And yet, this statue, I can't remember who they say it is. It might be Ramesses. It's the most perfectly carved and polished most beautiful thing you will ever see. Totally smooth, you know, the face is just perfect. But then again, on the side of this statue, which is highly polished and beautiful, there's a cartouche quite crudely carved in. 
you know, with hieroglyphs on. And yeah. again, the two just don't seem to marry for me. No. And also in that statue, if you look between the feet of it, there's a tube drill hole. Where? Now, tube drills are a big thing. <laughs> this is like, a, I feel like it's probably a whole other subject, really. But this is another reason why people think that someone was in possession of some kind of powered tool, powered cutting tool. Because all over Egypt, around the pyramids and at all of the sites as well, you will find these perfectly round tube drilled holes into, again, these very hard rocks, granite, basalt, diorite, things like that. And they've been analysed, and again, there's striations within these tube drill holes, and they've actually got the... In the Cairo Museum, again, they've got the actual bit that comes out of it. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, the actual... Yeah, the core. Core, thank you. And they've analysed the striation marks on it, which, again, when you look at it, you can see them with the naked eye. But there's two theories. And depending on which of these theories you believe, one of them can make you think that the Egyptians did do it. If you believe the other theory, they couldn't possibly have done it. Because one theory has you believe that the striations are completely horizontal. And they are in like circles, in bands, if you like, around the core. I don't understand, though, why the other theory means the Egyptians can't have done it. Because the, the ones that are just horizontal, it's been proved, and they've done experiments, that that could have been done with a copper like a copper, you know, round sort of drill bit, if you like. Yeah. Um, and sand, yeah. putting sand onto the surface. Yeah. And then using kind of like, you know, like a sort of bow and arrow type thing to yeah. pull it backwards and forwards. Do yeah, you know like what they mean? do when they're making a fire. Yes, like yeah. that. It could be done in that way. But done that way, it produces horizontal bands. However, this particular core has been analysed by several people, several, you know, experts, geologists and um, engineers, and there are a number of people who say that it's not horizontal, but it's in a spiral. That and it goes that around mean? the core in a spiral. And what does that mean? Well, that means that it's, it's been done by a continuous... A conti like a drill bit? Yes. Right. Because a drill bit is spiral, isn't it? If yeah. you look at the, you know, like a screw, it goes round in a spiral. Yeah. Could it not be, though, that the Egyptians had something that would have but, but operated like a drill bit? But shows us that these, there was, there's, there's no evidence that they actually had any tools that had the ability to do that. And when you now, say no be, evidence, the evidence would be finding the tool? I suppose, yeah. Or not necessarily the tool, but um, that they had the particular metals and they had access to these things that would have been required. But diamond isn't something that was, you know, you don't find diamond generally in, that, in, in Egypt. It doesn't come from that area. So I think, you know, the theory is that it's not something that would have been readily available to them. But obviously they, had, they know that they had copper and they had bronze. Right. If you believe that these striations, you know, the striations around are in a spiral, yeah. 
then you've really got to believe that it wasn't the Egyptians that did it. That it, If it was the Egyptians, then it was some other part of the Egyptian race, if you like, that had knowledge that we're just not aware of anymore. Yeah, but, which is sort of the point of everything that we've said today, isn't it? Well, we've been saying that. Yeah, but history tells us that the Egyptians only went back so far, doesn't it? No, but we're talking about lost knowledge. So they knew how to do something, which we don't know now. Yeah. And we just haven't found the tool which did it. Well, that, yeah, I mean, again, that could be true, but... Because the, the only other option is someone else did it who were more advanced than the Egyptians. Yeah. Well, who was that? Well, we don't know because they're no longer... You know, if... if you know, you've said that the Minoans were completely wiped out. Yes. Yeah. So if that happened, then it's perfectly possible that there might have been another civilization of people that were also wiped out. Absolutely, quite possibly. And it, and it must have been a long time Train. before, without cast iron, without something cast iron, that the, the, is it part of that says this or somebody says it, you know, you, you take the evidence that's in front of you yeah. and that leads you, you know, to, to, to the answer. And to me, it feels pretty categoric when you look at across the world, you know, because surely what's been done in Petra, you could argue, is more impressive than what's gone on in Egypt. You could argue that, yeah, absolutely. When you look at how perfect that box is in that room. No, it's, it's, you know, it's just, it blows your mind, you know. And how amazing the pillars are outside mm, the treasury, mm. and how, you know, it does look like 16th century France, not, you know, whenever potentially it was built, arguably the fifth century BC. So to me, it's shouting out pretty strongly that we knew more about cutting stone and you know dealing with stone yeah. than we know now. Absolutely. There doesn't seem to be any other thing that is impressive that's saying there was something cool going on. Do you know what I mean? You would think that there would be another piece of evidence somewhere that there was like amazing weapons or, mm. you know, there were superb, you know, advanced vehicles. <laughs> Obviously not petrol driven. No. <laughs> but there isn't. It seems that it's this stone thing that sort of is, it's the thing which links it all together. So my thoughts are very much this, and, and that is that years and years ago, before the advent of technology and multi-sensory engagement, we knew how to use more of our brains. I agree with you. And because we've forgotten how to use those parts of our brains, because it, it, it's, I mean, I don't know the exact figures, but it's something shocking, isn't it? I yeah, think, we, we don't use actually a lot of our brain. I know, it, it's more than anyone mm -hmm. would ever believe. Mm -hmm. And I think, it's, you know, imagine if you only used half the computing power of your PC. Yeah. Like yours was running on yesterday. Yeah, no, it was very slow. <laughs> you couldn't do anything. You no, couldn't do anything. I couldn't, I couldn't. As soon as you engage, you know, the full brain, that suddenly, when all these things start to become possible. Yeah. So I think that what, what we're looking at is, to try and sort of start to tie this up in a lovely bow, is through the course of history, there have been moments in time when humans have been knocked back in their development. Yeah, I agree. From the Knights Templar and the Industrial Revolution to the Minoans. Yeah. And all the amazing things that they knew. To also, you know, you can look at 
the way that the Romans went across the world crushing everything that was in front of them. Yeah. But similarly, the Egyptians, actually. You know, I've been doing a lot of reading at the moment about Egypt and, um, you know, there's a lot of good, but there's also an awful lot of bad. Mm -hmm. They were just as rough and tough. Really, any successful civilization back then had to be rough and tough. But over the course of time, we've constantly been knocked back and knocked back and knocked back. And that sort of brought us to the point we're at now, which is where we look back on these things and we think, how's that possible? Mm. How can humans have done that? Yeah. How have you done? Well, we've just got back home and I've stopped my run keeper at two miles 45. That's a good effort. Which is not bad because I did two miles this morning as well. So you've walked nearly five miles today. No, four and a half. Oh, you see, that, that is the difference between well, you and I. That's not nearly five, it's four and a half, it's not nearly five. Folks, I hope you're laughing your heads off at home. <laughs> Are you a glass half full? Yes. Are you a glass half empty? Exactly. I could understand you saying that's not five if you'd done three, <laughs> but you did four and a half. Oh, four and a half, that's pretty good, isn't it? You should it? look at the positives, that's an yeah. excellent effort. Yeah. I hope you have found that entertaining and even slightly entertaining rewarding. Entertaining at least. <laughs> It's not believable in parts. I've certainly found it entertaining. Thanks very much. I, you know, if you're all laughing at, at my thoughts, then that's all. fine. They're not at all. There's a lot of people out there. Yeah. We know through listener engagement, there's an that's awful true. lot of people yeah. out there who yeah. think the same things. Yeah. But what I would I say... Think that, I think the most important thing, really, is that it just gets your brain working, doesn't it? Thinking about these things and investigating these things. And I think it's just really good for your brain yeah. to... To just let it ponder on on sort of life's mysteries. Yes, I think that that's exactly right. And I think also, you know, what you must always do is when you are pondering life's mysteries, is like I said earlier on in this episode, do it with an open mind. Absolutely, yeah. Because that's when, you know, anything can seem possible. Yeah. Folks, that is the end of this episode of the Baker Bez Radio Show. And next time, we're very excited because we yeah. are going out... With book in hand, Kate promised us earlier on in this series <laughs> that she was going to purchase a book I did, about I did. trees. Yeah, and I so she was going to be able to identify the trees that we see on a walk. Yeah. And what we thought we'd do next episode is we really wanted to pick up on one of the things which has it's transformed my life, and I think honestly it's transformed mm. yours. Mm. And you know, it's something that we were always encouraged to do when we were young get yourself outside yeah, get yeah. some fresh get air some in fresh your lungs yeah. but it's only really been it's only been since 2014 that mm, i fully mm, realized mm. the benefits yeah. of getting outside yeah, and doing yeah. whatever it may be that you're doing so yeah next episode we're going to be talking a little bit about the profound effect it's had on both of us and actually the activities that we do outside do tend to be separate they do and yeah, it's the only things that we do Separately. Which are separate. Yeah, it is. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So, folks, join us next time. I wanted to call it going al fresco, but Kate thinks that sounds... <laughs> Just sounds a bit wrong. <laughs> Just makes me, I don't know, think weird thoughts. So we will come up with a better title than that. Well, I'm flying the flag for going al fresco. I bet you are. Because <laughs> I have no words. Folks, we will see you in two weeks for another Bakery Bears radio show. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. The Bakery Bears Radio Show is brought to you by Bakery Bear Productions and is made possible by our Bakery Bear patrons. Find out how you can join our Bakery Bear community, access more of what we do, and keep the show on air by visiting www.bakerybears.com forward slash listen forward slash.